For most public agencies, pavement is their biggest asset, so optimizing its performance is key. Kevin Sen joins the podcast to discuss a program that has been collecting data and measuring pavement performance for over 30 years. Transportation infrastructure. It's what keeps our economy moving and gets people safely where they need to go. But maintaining safe, reliable infrastructure assets is a complex challenge that requires innovative solutions. I'm Nick Frank from Agile Assets, and I'll be your guide as we navigate through the complex and evolving world of infrastructure asset management. My guest today is Kevin Sen. Kevin is a principal engineer at NCE, where he is responsible for planning, growth, client relations, quality control, and day-to-day activities. He has over 25 years of experience in pavement design, materials, construction, highway research, performance monitoring, database management, and design. Kevin, thanks for being our guest today. Yeah, thanks, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate the chance to be invited. Well, I'm glad we could connect and talk a little long-term pavement performance. But before we get to that, can you tell me a little bit about your role at NCE? Absolutely. Um, I started here in 1995, uh, interestingly enough, I guess to me, working on the long-term pavement performance program. So I've been working on LTPP for 27 years now. Um, Over that time, I've also had the chance to work on a number of other uh, pavement projects at the federal, state, and local levels. And my current responsibility is to manage our operations in our Nevada offices, um, of which pavements is a significant component. Um, And I'm also, you know, my technical engagement remains on the pavement side, including, as I mentioned, working on LTPP. So you have a vast background in this topic, so you're the exact right person to talk to. So Kevin, can you give us some historical background on long-term pavement performance? What exactly is it? Yeah, I mean, LTP uh, is the largest study of in-service pavements in the world. It is looking at basically helping address how and why pavements perform the way they do. Um, Its origins are back in the 1980s, where there was kind of this objective of, hey, if we can optimize pavement performance to maximize this massive investment we make every year on our pavement networks, you know, there'd be a lot of value that came out of that. And I remember a lot of talk, you know, back when I started, you know, obviously it wasn't the mid 80s at that point, but by the mid 90s, uh, they were talking about if we could just save 1% of the $40 billion a year that we're putting into our pavements, you know, that's well worth the investment that's being made. LTP had a lot of champions. And, and many more supporters throughout the pavement world. Um, and that includes the public sector, of course, private sector, industry, academia. And through these champions and supporters, uh, they were able to have LTPP become part of the original SHARP program. And so LTPP ran under SHARP from 1987 to 1992. Uh, there was a whole bunch of expert task groups that helped establish like, what are the types of things we should be studying what types of data should we be collecting? I could talk about this all day, Nick, but I know your audience won't want to hear that. Um, so in any case, once we hit 92, the program transferred from the short program, which it was a five-year program that ended in 92, to the Federal Highway Administration. And Federal Highways has administered the LPP program continuously ever since. There are a lot of different projects and test sections within the LPP program. Uh, these cover both flexible and rigid pavements. Uh, They look at maintenance, uh, rehabilitation experiments, new construction, 
most of the sections part that are part of the LTPP study were either in service or constructed between the, the late 1980s and the mid 1990s. Although in the in the 2010s, we did a new experiment looking at warm mix asphalt as well that is still active today. So a really broad range of what that covers. And that leads me to my next question. And, and you kind of touched on it a little bit when you brought up the saving of, you know, just 1% of a billion dollar project and, and how far that could go for an agency. So can you dive in to some of the major accomplishments of the LTPP program? I think something that's impressive um, for many reasons is the fact that it's still an active functioning program today. You know, that that over the 30 years, you know, and I'll, I guess we'll get to challenges in a little bit, but it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to, uh, to have the level of commitment because there's test sections in every one of the 50 states as well as most of the Canadian provinces. Um, so, you know, there's well over 2,500 test sections that are part of the program. Um, and so just getting that up and running and functional is an important accomplishment. I'll, I'll get to some benefits in a little bit, I think, and I'll maybe try and put some numbers around things. But, you know, some of the other accomplishments besides the program itself and is the long-term payment performance database. And that database is where all of the information that's been collected over all these years is stored. The processes by which the data was assimilated, quality control checked, and then now made publicly available um, for anybody to use is, is something that is going to benefit the pavement community for, for years to come. There was also, you know, I'd say not to that level of the database, but other important accomplishments include some improved procedures, for example, uh, starting up some lab testing equipment and like how you would go about um, making sure that you're collecting the proper information from the, from the get-go. There's also, uh, it was part of, you know, to store some of these sharp materials and then it was, it turned over to LTPP was materials reference library, which is a warehouse that stores pavement materials from both sharp and LTPP test sections that are still available today to be utilized by researchers, um, particularly those that are looking at, at correlating material properties to actual performance. So you have these pieces in place now, the database, procedures, the materials library, but there were probably some bumps in the road to get to that point. Can you touch on some of those? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question, Nick. Um, one of the big challenges was engaging with the stakeholders, um, getting that initial buy-in, um, and buy-in both in terms of the level of support, of course, but also funding to not just initiate the program, but sustain the program. Um, you know, something that's been going on for over 30 years now. There's certainly been funding challenges over time. You know, with each successive highway bill, LTPP has been handled differently over the years. And so, you know, sometimes it's been very safe and easy to plan. And other times it was extremely challenging to figure out, oh, oh shoot, the funding level is, has changed dramatically. How do we adapt? And also, you know, just determining the, the priorities, like what, what are the most important things that we need to be collecting? What's going to be of the highest value to the community? Um, and how do we go about making sure that that's delivered in the most effective way possible? And as you can imagine, with a program that's been going on this long, the original champions, the original stakeholders have pretty much all moved on, you know, retired, taken other positions, you know, whatever. And so operating through that turnover required a massive coordination expert or expertise 
as well as as investment. And so doing that, I think it, it's been done successfully, but it certainly was not with, not without its challenges. Another thing that's been interesting over the years is the changes in technology. Um, when the program started, you know, you might be spending ten thousand dollars for a three eighty six computer that could you know barely had any memory on it. And so the program was designed to efficiently store information. And, you know, now, you know, shoot, you know, our phones have, you know, a million times the storage on them. And so it's been interesting to kind of manage through that. And, and that applied not only to the computer systems, but what automated distress was then versus what it is now. You know, the profiler technology for high-speed profiling has evolved over time. So many things evolved. And, we, you know, we wanted to make sure that the program was not necessarily on the forefront of developing those, but, it, but at least remain valid in terms of the information that was being collected. And then the other thing that was of vital importance was that we were collecting research quality data that could be used, that would be uniform. So, you know, we were confident the data that was collected in Southern California would be the same as the data that was collected in Northern Maine, even though in most instances, it was not the same person or the same equipment, the same exact piece of equipment that was doing that data collection. So those were some of the challenges that made it a, a, a bumpy road to get things going. But now that, you know, the program has been around since the eighties and it, it's gained more steam and it's becoming probably, and maybe we'll talk about that a little where we will talk about some more ongoing projects that are happening right now. What are some of the benefits? Why should agencies, counties, state DOTs, whoever, why should they be implementing these LTP programs? Yeah. Well, I think that there's a lot of just off the shelf tools and we'll get to some of those examples here in a little bit, Nick, but yeah, absolutely. The program has provided so many benefits over the years, you know, starting with some of these improved data collection practices, um, you know, the, the types, you know, the equipment itself, you know, operating the equipment, you know, having the handle on, on variability, reliability of the data that's being collected. Um, developing more realistic pavement design models and helping provide guidance, you know, and selecting the most cost-effective design features, you know, whether you're looking at new construction or rehabilitation. You know, another thing that's been interesting is, is that the program has really provided a knowledge base for educational curricula. So it's, you know, a lot of professors are utilizing LTPP data in, in the classrooms uh, there's actually a student contest that's sponsored through ASCE that utilizes LTPP data um, on an annual basis. The database that I mentioned earlier, there's well over 2,500 test sections that are included in that database. And that data is out there and free to access for anybody that wants to use it. And I guess to get to a, a dollar value, I think we're over $3 billion in counting that we're directly attributing to LTPP. Uh, kind of noting that, you know, in, in our world, that's not money that's going into the bank accounts. You know, it's just that much more pavement that can be maintained or built or rehabilitated. I always am amazed at that in the infrastructure world when we talk about funding and things like that. When there's a B at the end of it, that that's typically like, you know, okay, you're right. It's not really going to, oh, we're just, we got this saved in the bank account. It's okay. We're actually upgrading our roads or we're uh, fixing our bridges or we're doing this or rehabbing, or, you know, there's a lot of other factors that go into it rather than just, okay, yeah, we got all this in the bank and we're going to give Kevin a, a little bit of a raise this year. What are some of the projects either ongoing or in the past that have you know been successfully using this LTPP data? 
basically every new national design procedure for pavement since the early 1990s has utilized L2VP data. So we're talking 1993 ASHTO, some of the updates in 98 for ASHTO, uh, the SuperPave niche designs. Um, and then of course the big one um, in the United States is the Mechanistic Empirical Pavement Design Guide, the pavement ME design software that is through ASHTO now. L2PP data was used heavily in the development and initial calibrations of, of the procedures that are part of that you know, design software. In addition, there's there's over a thousand publications out now that are used that use LTP data in some way um, through the, the National Academies, the National Cooperative Highway Research Program had a number of projects that directly utilized LTP data and then lots of others where LTP information is part of you know the analysis set for those projects. There are a number of past and planned uh, pooled fund studies that a number of agencies have banded together to say, hey, we've got an important activity um, that we'd like to get a handle on. One that was recently concluded looked at, at a set of experiments of new construction of Portland cement concrete pavements uh, called the SPS2 project. Uh, that pooled fund has been completed. All the reports are available now through the pooled fund website. There was a forensic pooled fund study that phase one has been completed and they've just approved a phase two where we go to some of these LTPP test sections and do dig in a little bit deeper to, to get to that how and why. And then there's also a, a pooled fund I'll talk about, I guess, a little bit as we look forward that's still being recruited that's looking at pavement preservation. And then, you know, beyond that, just, you know, particularly within uh, federal highways, federal aviation administration, there's a lot of different ways that the LTP data has been and continues to be used for a wide array of projects. You touched on data, and I'd like to follow up on that. How do you see LTTV programs improving the quality of pavement data collection? We know that's such an important, important note is good data in results in good data out. So how have you seen that help improve that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of collection practices that are, you know, maybe not directly credited to LTPP, but basically LTPP was played a key role in getting them established, um, including the LTP distress identification manual that virtually every agency has a modified to some way to mat match their own uh, systems and how they want to, to rate their the distresses on their pavements. But, you know, that distress manual is the foundation for almost all of those systems. Uh, way in motion data, I mentioned that earlier. When LTPP started, there wasn't consistency even of the format for way in motion data. Uh, and so the system that LTPP defined has been uh, instituted over the years, as well as equipment calibration and validation practices for the way in motion systems. Also for falling weight deflectometers that are used to, to measure the structure of the payments. When LPP started, there wasn't a consistent process for validating the, the systems or, you know, calibrating and validating the, the data that's coming off those FWDs. And so that those calibration centers that were developed for LTPP, many state DOTs utilized as well to make sure their own equipment was functioning properly. And so, you know, a lot of LPP specifications um, got incorporated, acceptance criteria, maintenance procedures, you know, all the things that you're doing, you know, when you're putting... 70 to 100,000 miles you know, every year or two on a, on a piece of equipment. You know, there's a lot of maintenance that goes into to making sure that, that you're still collecting good data. The program also put in rigorous quality control, quality assurance processes 
across all operations from field data collection to data management, ensuring quality data got not just collected, but made it successfully into the database, uh, running, you know, identifying a series of quality control checks to run to ensure that you didn't have a transcription error, you know, back in the days of manual data entry or weird, you know, things that you might find with data that might be, you know, coming out of a, a, a test, you know, some of these test procedures that we talked about. One of the reasons we we found some issues was looking through the quality control checks in LTPP and saying, hey, why did this data, the equipment said this is what it was, but that doesn't make any sense. Like what happened? And these sections, you know, they're still active out there. You know, any state could go, you know, use those for quality control, just to kind of, if they're doing QC of their own internal system, you know, they could say, hey, here's, here's this Portland cement concrete pavement, or here's this asphalt overlay section that's here. And I'm going to compare the the LTPP section to what our our systems are collecting as part of our own internal processes. Yeah, I'm a big fan too of talking about future technologies. You know, we started, you know, as you mentioned, as we started the conversation with, you know, the long-term performance programs starting in the 80s and how, you know, you had a computer that could only hold, you know, like you mentioned, our cell phone now holds more than than what the original computers did. So what new technologies and implementations have you seen being adopted by, by state DOTs as outcomes of these programs and some new technologies that have formed over the years? You know, some of these, they may not be new now, Nick, I guess, but they're new since LTPP started and they're directly attributed to LTPP. So for example, Colorado DOT implemented a new uh, specification for sawing their PCC joints based off of, of what they learned on construction of LTPP test sections. Texas DOT did their own study looking at the maintenance treatments within the sections in, in Texas and uh, put together some new processes and systems. I mentioned the FWD calibration centers. Indiana DOT had, I think they said it was $17,000 per mill of improvement, you know, making sure that, you know, the impact of having good quality FWD data and having these calibration centers to make sure that was the case. Maybe on a broader scale, getting input on the on the performance of recycled asphalt pavements. You know, it's very, very commonplace these days. But when it first started, there was some concerns like what's the percentage of wrap that we can have in our in our mixes and still get good performance. There's also tools like LCPP Bind, which is a binder selection program um, that many states use to help when they're trying to figure out what grade of, of asphalt to use on a particular project, they they can go, you know, utilize the LTP bind um, software. There's another software package called LTPP star. And that dynamic modulus is an important input for the pavement ME design software. But sometimes on older pavements, you don't have that testing wasn't run, they did resilient modulus, or they did penetration and viscosity. So you can use LTPP star to, to take that older data and put it into what can be input into the into the software. As we look down the metaphorical and maybe literal road of LTTP and what it's going to look like in the future, what other experiments do you think it should be considered? And maybe how does sustainability start, or maybe it already is involved in it, and how does that all play a factor in the future of these programs? I think, Nick, I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit here. Um, Obviously, as somebody that spent my entire professional career working on this program, I'm very passionate about the value it has provided, continues to provide, and, and even more importantly, 
may be able to provide in the future so long as it continues and to continue it's going to require a new generation of champions you know there are there are many at this point but you know having even more and particularly when it comes to some of these you know some of the funding side of things and and you know guaranteeing that that's going to be there over a long enough period to to recognize you know if you build a section and you're only going to monitor it for three years that's not long-term performance you know we want to make sure that we're there the infrastructure is in place right now heaven forbid if if you know funding continues to be a challenge and in, in over the next five or ten years the number of sections goes down to zero and there's and some of these systems have been put in place over time go away it's going to be much more difficult to recreate that than it is to scale back up i guess with what we have right now and there are a lot of things that have that have changed as you mentioned you know there's there's new materials there's new practices there's new drivers um, of which sustainability and resilience are very high on the list it's pretty easy to make the case that improving long-term performance supports sustainability um, but there can also be some other measures that that haven't been part of past practices that could be part of the future where you're collecting information on greenhouse gas emissions and some of these key factors as we're as you know trying to combat you know the priorities that set by the current administration and that has been embraced by you know the pavement community writ large you know industry included um looking forward it's also important to recognize that there's not a lot of new construction happening these days you know the vast majority of work are associated with existing pavements it could be reconstructing those pavements but you're not doing a lot of new alignments um, and so focusing on on existing pavements is is important i mentioned earlier a pooled fund study there's there's one that's open right now called improving the quality of preventive maintenance construction and data collection practices and that's focusing on pavement preservation what's the optimal timing you know the pavement preservation mantra of you know the right treatment at the right time having ltpp help answer some of those questions um, systematically in a way that can be taken by anybody to utilize and can speak to different challenges that different that may be regionally um, in different parts of of the country there's also you know some other potential experiments composite pavements uh, there's a lot of talk about balanced mix design right now on the on the asphalt pavement side um, you know an experiment looking at balanced mix design there's new new materials out there you know you hear more about plastics and some some different things that they're trying and some different challenges with kind of our traditional material sources that may be changing as well going forward both on the asphalt and on the concrete side and then you know new construction practices <laughs> as well you know there's more automation that's happening now and and you know what impact may that be having on on some of the longer term performance and as well as you know potentially things like model calibration as as you continue to refine the, the the pavement me design software or whatever may be coming next you know being able to have the information that'll that'll both help develop those models but even you know more importantly over time help calibrate them to changing materials construction you know whatever might be changing going forward you mentioned how a lot of this data from the ltpb programs is readily available so where how can engineers professors researchers where can they find this data yeah there's there's kind of a one-stop shop these days for ltpp data and that is a site called ltpp infopave so it's it's i'm going to say the name <laughs> but anybody can google it it's just infopave.fhwa.dot.gov you can go there to to get data to get reports it's it's basically 
the source to get most anything that somebody would need regarding LTPP. But recognizing as easy as as try and make it for the users, it still can be a complex program, and and there could be some information that that exists, but it may not be where you think it is. And so LTPP also has a, a customer support mechanism, and you can access that customer support through InfoPave also. Awesome. Kevin, is there anything that we didn't touch on today that you'd want to add? I don't think so, other than if anybody ever wants to know more about LTPP, they can certainly talk to me. Uh, there's a, the long-term infrastructure program at Federal Highways continues to have LTPP as part of its um, purview. Um, and so uh, Larry Weiser, Deborah Walker, Jane Jiang, Jean Nemi, if anybody wants to talk to, the, to those folks at the federal level. And I just really appreciate you, know, you recognizing the value of the program and taking the time to talk about it today. Kevin Sen, Principal Engineer from NCE. Thank you for jumping on and talking with us today about long-term payment performance programs. If you want to learn more about innovative strategies in infrastructure asset management, head on over to agileassets.com. Thanks again to Kevin Sen for sharing his expertise with us today. I'm Nick Frank. Have a happy new year and join us again next year for another edition of Move Your Assets.